Out From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. I'll just kick this off here. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 66 tonight. This is going to be another solo episode. So for those of you who have been listening along, along the way here, all the way to episode 66 at this time, you probably know that Ryan has taken off. I used to have a co-host on this show and Ryan took off because this just wasn't the right fit for where he was at in life. It just wasn't the right combo for what he was trying to do. And, um, you know, so now we've had to change the format up a little bit. And, and along the way, you can kind of hear those solo episodes because I was traveling or maybe Ryan was busy anyway. So you might be used to these, but you're going to see this more often. So we're kind of probably going to do in every other type of deal where tonight's going to be another solo episode that is on the shorter side. Whenever it's me just rambling by myself in my room, I can only talk for so long, even though I am a talker. And then we'll switch it off with the every other week thing with doing the interviews that I like to do with different creatives. So, um, you know, we'll keep that going next week. We've actually gotten on site, even during these crazy COVID times, I'll be joining someone out at their business and I'll talk about that later. But, uh, tonight to, to get to the point here is going to be about a conversation that I've heard a lot lately. And it's almost like me right now talking to me six years ago to give that that Dave some advice based off of what I've learned right now and what I'm currently even uh you know going forward on myself right now where I I am hearing a, a a good group of friends and family right now that are in the house buying phase and uh I bought my first home maybe 6 years ago at this point and I, I did a very traditional thing. I've talked a lot about it on the show. I, I bought the single family home. I got married. I got the dog. Like I got the new truck. Like everything was very, very standard. And I don't regret any of that, by the way. That all worked out. We ended up being able to sell that house at a good time. And that allowed us to kind of do the other stuff that we did to get into our first income property because we made our down payment for, for that and our renovation budget for that. So, Everything worked out, so it's not like I regret anything. But if I could do it over, I have, you know, my my sister about to figure out where she's going to be living at, thinking about buying a house. I have lots of family and friends that are at the point where they're like they've lived in an apartment long enough, they've been dating someone long enough or they're getting married or whatever it may be that's kind of triggering that action for them, and they're thinking about getting their first house. And one thing that I might have done differently, even though I don't regret it, is I have been telling every person I've had five conversations when they're saying, what do you think about the market? You know, where are you looking at? What, what do you think about when you bought your own house? Like when they're just talking about this conversation, every single one of them, I told that their first house should be an income property. And this isn't a real estate podcast. So please don't get me wrong that I'm some pro. I have my first one and I'm hoping to get my second one and my second one, the purpose being is to kill the overhead so I can start my business with no overhead for my business as well, hosting it on the property 
then I also have a renter at. So not only being able to not pay additional rent for an extra space to host a business, but also not pay rent for my living expenses to make it so I can actually do this shit as a millennial growing up with all the debt that we have from school, not the best choices always for things to go in debt on, you know, things I felt like I had to get for a car, things like that at the time, but doesn't, doesn't take away from the amount of debt that you kind of go against as a overall month to month cash flow game, really. And we've talked earlier on this podcast about trying different ways to stop living paycheck to paycheck. So if you're in that spot, encourage you to go back and listen to that episode on different ways to stop living paycheck to paycheck because that sucks ass and you got to get out of there because that is awful. But I'd say that this would be the next step is you're not living paycheck to paycheck, but what if you could just wipe out your overhead costs? Most people listening to the show or tuning in regularly are creative entrepreneurs. So they're trying to launch a business or they have a business and they're freelancing or they're using someone else's space or they're whatever it may be that they're doing. It just makes it really, really difficult to be really aggressive and strategic with what you're trying to do when you have tons of overhead that are either putting fear into you or it is making you not able to make as aggressive choices as you might want to, as you might think of good ideas that are, are a great idea to do. You might not have the firepower to do it. So what I'm, I'm saying to these people, when you have to think of a starter home, I would say for most people, the first home that they get is going to be a starter home. I find it pretty rare that any of my friends, even the ones that have children, which I don't have yet, but even the ones that end up having children kind of younger when they get their first starter home, it seems like you get it for, you know, it's not your most expensive home. It might not be the biggest home. It's probably awesome at the moment because you've been living in an apartment or small space forever, or maybe your parents, and it feels really good. But you're going to most likely move out of there in three to six years. It's just the way that it goes. It's probably going to get too small for you at some point because you get too much stuff or you want to do some of these creative activities out of it or you want to start a family or whatever it may be, or maybe just because it was a cheaper uh, house for you to get at that time, it might not be in the area that you want to settle down at. Whatever it is, you have to think that it's probably something that you're going to not be in forever, right? So it's not like you're buying your forever home that has to be absolutely perfect. You also have to think that you probably haven't been living in places that are as awesome to live in is that like for me, I was living in some really, really shitty living spaces and situations with people before we got that house. And we literally moved in after we closed and slept on the floor and ate Chinese food because of how excited we were to be there. And so what I say to people when they're trying to buy their first home and they're also trying to launch businesses or do something that is an alternative way of life is if I could talk to myself like five or six years ago, I would say, do not buy your first home or don't buy like a condo. Don't go move into like a ritzy apartment. So it just feels better. Don't go move into a townhouse or something. Get like a duplex and then live in half. Like there's a, a podcast I listen to that if you like any real estate stuff, you might be liking, or if you want to get into it, I really recommend it. It's called the bigger pockets podcast. And they have a bunch of books out that I read, but that's how they started is the host of that show started by getting a duplex and living in it. And the reason being is because first of all, that's still going to feel amazing as a starter home for you. It's probably going to feel 
pretty incredible to be in that space. It's probably going to be bigger, bigger and better than what you were in before. So you wouldn't know any different between the starter home and that like half a home that you live in or, or whatever that, uh, you wouldn't know any different anyway, unless you did it. So when I got my first starter home, if I were to go from that to a duplex half or something like that, maybe I would think differently. Like maybe I'd be like, Oh, this isn't as sweet. But at the end of the day, you get to move into something that you immediately kill your overhead. And for me, I've had to do a lot of different evaluating back on myself of what is the priority. And I've talked about it on in this show a little bit about the priority for me isn't to have the white picket fence house. And the priority for me isn't to have, you know, the nastiest car or the biggest television or anything like that. The priority for me is my way of life and how long do I get to have it? So last episode, we talked to Jay Moss about like AI mastering software, not relevant to this topic right here. However, he pointed out a video that I watched totally blew my mind. If you want to go back and watch it, it's in the show notes for that episode called Positive Nihilist. And it's like a seven minute video basically about how to conceive, like how to understand and convey life. And it talks about how many weeks we have to live. When you break out life into weeks, it is fucking terrifying. It is just absolutely ridiculous. We're like, if you are living for a hundred years, which already might be unreasonable, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You can break that down into like 5,200 weeks or something ridiculous. It like literally scares you. And it says, if you're 25, listen to this, you have like 3,200 weeks left. It's crazy. It's really crazy to think that. And so, you know, when it comes to that for me, I want to enjoy the process. I talk about that a lot on the show and I want to enjoy the time that I have not just stress about what I want to do for goals, but I also want to live the longest amount of those 3,200 weeks or 5,400 weeks or whatever the math is on that, doing what I want to do. And if it takes me until I'm 62 or 65 to retire to actually do the thing that I want to do in life, then I feel like I lost. So the reason why I'm like really hot and heavy of like make your first starter home a duplex. And I'm going to go through some other ideas too here for you in case like financing is not right or you're, you know, you're in a situation where that, that can't happen. I'm going to give you some other ideas, but it's not so much about that that I recommend so much that I recommend to only make the move of where you're living to find a balance between being comfortable and enjoying the process. So enjoying where you're living so that that's not a stressor ruining your day-to-day and ruining your vibe and, and, and your game and everything like that because you need to be in a, in a safe place. That's like the Maslow hierarchy of needs that we've talked about before that has to be covered. But also not going further than you have to to get what you want done, focusing back on what is your true goal. If your true goal is to have that first home be like the home that you live in and that's like the only goal, you don't give a shit about what you're doing for work, you're not trying to launch a business, you're not trying to do like these crazy things, then by all means, then don't do that. I mean, I still think it's the best choice because I just believe that having freedom against debt and freedom from finance is something that will make everyone the happiest at the end. I just feel like that's a burden that you don't want to have to deal with. But by all means, do that. If that is your goal, then make that be your goal. But like, don't 
get distracted is what I would say. Don't get distracted on what feels like the goal because it feels good and it feels like a choice that makes you happy for the meantime for jeopardizing something that could be a long-term goal for you. So what I mean by that is just going back on some of the things that I said. When I was living in these really shitty apartments or shitty living spaces, I could have gone to just about anything. And once I had my own living space that I didn't deal with what people were telling me for rules, like parents or other people, and I had control on what I was doing, if I also had control on finance in a way that gave me a lot of firepower, I think that that is the happiest position that I could be in for me. Because my position is to be able to be really lethal like that. And it slowed me down. So some other things, I mean, I'm going to just list out a couple different ways of alternative types of housing that you can get into. Like this is for someone, I'm just jumping out of school right now. Like what do I do for living situations? And granted, when this podcast is is going out right now, it's during COVID time. So like, don't get me wrong. I know that that stuff now is different. I don't expect you to hop out of college and just invest in, or do something crazy like that. But like, just something to think about, like six months to a year out of college when you're trying to figure out what's the next place I live. I don't want you to be on the move and just making decisions without thinking about what you're trying to aim for long-term. Because I think that that's not necessarily what I did, but it played a role in it of just trying to find that comfort and using that comfort is an excuse to lose sight of long-term vision or not only aim for long-term vision. So on a couple episodes ago, we talked to Sarah Reitzman. And so this plays right off of what she was talking about from the New Hampshire Housing Coalition. And what she does is a creative way for her own living to combat that for the exact same reason that we're talking about this right here. And obviously that is specific to New Hampshire and and the East Coast and the West Coast is very similar to that. Not every part of the country has housing that's like this brutal that you have to do some of this weird shit, but it doesn't hurt if you do some of this weird shit to get ahead in life either way. But what she does is she has a position in a church. I'd never heard of this before I talked to her where she actually works for the church technically just like taking out the trash and like locking it up and like turning the lights off, like very simple tasks. And that's essentially a part-time job for her to get an apartment and also like an office space in this place, like at no cost. Like they, they have no cost of living to do what they're doing. And they're, she showed me pictures. Her apartment is fine. Like it's, it's perfectly good apartment for what they want to do. And then she has extra room for her creative to do what she wants to do at no overhead costs. That's amazing. Living in the area that she wants to live in, absolutely amazing. So that, I mean, kind of an out there idea, but if you have the ability to do that, that would be pretty sick. That's something you could probably do like right outside of college and literally not have overhead if you're trying to save right away. Uh, Another one that I'm doing right now for this interim period is live with friends. And sometimes that is good. Sometimes that's bad. But uh, there's probably like houses that you can rent or like multi-bedroom apartments that you can rent, but not ones that are just like a luxury thing, but just something that you can really divvy it up, really divvy up uh, overhead expenses and kind of have some living space to yourself that may be really, really cheap or affordable. Uh, Another one that did not work for me, but maybe you can make it work and, and more so pointing it out just so that there's not a stigma to it is 
living with your parents. And so here's what I want to say on it is I'm not going to defend the person that's living with their parents that is just straight up chilling. Like they just don't have the initiative to get out and they're just chilling. Like once again, if you want to do that, go for it. If that's your thing, go for it. I'm never hating on any way that anyone else wants to live, but like I'm not defending the person that's just chilling in there and the parents are like, Hey, get out of here. Like you've just been chilling for 10 years, like and not trying. I want to just wipe the stigma away for people that are just feeling judgment passed on them for living there longer than some friends that maybe jumped out there really quick and got into some more expensive apartments or houses. If you're on your own and you have the ability to live in that way where it's not stressful for you and it doesn't stop you from doing the things that you want to do, it doesn't mean stay there forever, but it just means that it it's not a bad thing if you get what you want long-term. If you can have like no overhead or you pay them very minimal rent or something, you're not stressed and you're happy in the day-to-day there. Don't feel the pressure from seeing other people in your friend group jump into $2,500 apartment in Boston or go buy their house when they weren't ready yet and then that they're like house poor or something like that. Don't feel that pressure and then take a take an action on it. Really think about is this something that works for me right now to, to do what I do? If you're saving aggressively and you have no overhead and it's getting you positioned really, really well to do what you're supposed to do, then like hold no judgment on yourself for doing that. I, I really like, I didn't do that because it just didn't work for me. Like I was getting stressed. I didn't have the space for all my music equipment. I didn't have the ability to do the schedule that I had to do. It just was holding me back to live that life. And it didn't work for me because it was more stress than uh, than winning. But if you can win that way, then just try not to judge yourself. Try not to do actions just because others are acting. Another one would be living in your business. So I actually heard from this guy that wanted to open up his recording studio that he got a business space, lived in the business space for like six to eight months until it was profitable and got like a Planet Fitness card to go shower in the gym. So like that is an extreme case where he was really a badass and like made this happen. And that is fantastic. If you can't do that, then don't do that. But there might be better ways that you can do that. There, You might be fine with doing that. And that would work for you to be able to get what you want. But once again, just thinking outside the box of a way that you can combine these expenses because that's what I've seen as a very hard thing for people is I need you know either a business space or a practice space. I also need a living space. I also need a storage space because of downsides or whatever. It just adds up so that your your cost every month that you have to battle to be able to do the thing that you want to do or start trying is so high that it just stops you or slows you for so long that it's unbearable. And and people, quite frankly, usually get burnt and then stop. And that's what I don't want to happen to any of you. So I want you to just take some of these instances and really take a moment to think outside the box of before I think about living expenses or where I'm living at or anything in the like, what am I trying to do? What do I want to do for work? What do I want to do for a business? What do, I want, what do I want to do for a creative? What does that look like every day? And then reverse engineer, how does that happen? I talked a little bit about it on the marathon episode when I was just talking through like, what, does, what did marathon training do for me? 
And that was something that I was talking about is if you have a burning desire to do something where you really want it that bad, and then you reverse engineer it, and then your, your subliminal, your subconscious mind, not subliminal, your subconscious mind starts figuring out how is that going to happen? And if you live inside your business, then realistically, you're only now battling one expense per month. That might not be as lucrative as having a, an income property with a business on it so you can kill your overhead and not pay for a business. That's why I wanted to just throw that idea out there at people because it was kind of a really late realization for me of like something that is a possibility if the zoning's right. And don't get me wrong, I'm in for a world of hurt. This is going to be a very tricky couple months trying to find the perfect property. It's not going to be an easy thing. I just believe that this is the right thing for this type of business in the current climate with big studios going down left and right from crazy heavy overhead and COVID flipping the world upside down. I just truly, truly believe that the businesses that have the most leverage and the least overhead that they have to battle are the most likely to succeed for the longest because you have time to react appropriately. You don't have fear to encourage you to make the wrong decisions for you and the wrong decisions for your customers or clients. And you are able to think and survive for longer periods of time. Like I literally think about it like one time when I was giving blood, I, I drink a ton of water. And when I was giving blood for this, this blood drive, the woman told me I have like an absurd, an absurd amount of blood because I drink so much water that I just actually have more blood in me than other people. And a fun fact that she got to tell me that I, now I can brag about to people is she did the math while I was giving blood. So this is really weird, but shout out to this nurse, whoever this was helping me out. Cause I think it's cool as shit that I could live an additional four minutes if I was stabbed on the street than the average American because I have more blood in me to bleed out when I'm walking around out there trying to get help or whatever the hell I'm trying to do in that situation. Hopefully that never actually happens than the average American because the average American doesn't drink enough water and isn't hydrated and doesn't make enough blood because of that. I think of trying to get your business and your cash flow every single month and your living expenses every single month as the same thing. Drink tons of water. Get extra living expenses out of your hair. Make it so that if the economy collapses, that maybe you're not crushing it anymore, but maybe you have time to think while others don't. You you don't want to be, a, you know, a big thing in this time as we're seeing restaurants close in, as a small business restaurant more frequently. And that's because their margins and their overhead are just so much tighter as a business that many of them can't handle to be out for one week of business, let alone three or four months, right? You don't want to set yourself up in a way where you're over leveraged, where you can't make those decisions long-term and keep the momentum going. So if you need to live in your business or you need to live and house hack inside a, a duplex or your first income property, or you need to live in a church or like the last one I had on here is a very popular little winding down a little bit, but tiny homes are like van living. I've got some good friends who finished a van build. If you need to do something alternative, then you need to just get past any judgment that you might get from family or friends. Do something alternative because 
most of the time when we are doing something that's controversial, we talked about this in the last episode, most of the time when we are doing something that people think is weird, it's probably the right thing. When you are being questioned like that, it's probably the right thing. And I think I was just talking about this with my wife, but there's a quote. I, I want to say that it's uh, Ernest Hemingway that she was just reading the four hour work week from Tim Ferriss. And he mentions a quote at the beginning of his, and it talks about if you're doing the same thing that everyone else is, and then you should be afraid. Essentially, I, I probably murdered it. There's going to be some Hemingway snob out there that just comes and massacres me. So sorry, but this episode, really, I want to throw this out there to people who haven't made those decisions yet, or maybe you did and you're listening to the show because you're trying to figure out how to change it up and steer it back. And that's what I've been doing is steering the ship back to what needs to happen to be doing the right things for what it is. So I want you to take a second and think about what is your American dream, not your parents, not your friends, but what is your American dream? What does the thing that you want to do look like? And how do you reverse engineer it to get it in a way that makes it so that you have the most blood inside you to get stabbed by life? Okay, so that's going to be my uh, my awful analogy, uh, I guess, to explain this. But uh hope that is helpful for someone. I hope that someone thinking about this stuff just got some some ideas that might work that I've heard from a bunch of people on the show and the community. If you want to hit me up and talk about some of the things that I'm up to or have done in the past, always happy to talk to you. Just send a DM to me on at Dave wake up, uh, or you can email me or hit me up on the website, wherever I'm, I'm always happy to chat with everyone. I've chatted with so many of you through Instagram and, and my email and things like that. I, I love doing it all the time. So Definitely hit me up on there or on the comments below for this video on Instagram. And if you have an idea that I haven't shared or you have a story of your own that you've done that's really out there that has achieved these types of things, I would love to hear it and I would love to share it with the community. So definitely let me know right down in the comments down here what you think about this, any ideas you have or any stories you have. And, um, I really hope that you guys can figure out something that makes it so that you're living your American dream and you're living in a situation that makes you really aggressive and powerful for what you want to get done. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Waking Up From Work podcast. That was episode 66 tonight. Next week, I'm really excited. Like I said, it's going to be an on-site one. I'm hanging out with Tim Messina, who I've talked about on Pivoting in coronavirus, his business is Events United and Studio Lab here in New Hampshire. So a live events company and a co-working space that's a creative co-working space, which are both both fucking awesome things. But obviously you can imagine how brutal that would be to have COVID come in for both of those businesses. And the way that he's pivoted has been ridiculous. So I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We might talk about that. He's up to some really innovative, cool things that he's trying to figure out for live streaming with digital backgrounds and, and, and I'll have to learn more about it, but he's, he's innovating some cool things over at Studio Lab right now at this downtime. 
Uh, but we might talk about the creative community and co-working spaces in New Hampshire and the way that people work. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm actually going to go live at Studio Lab with him next Thursday if you guys want to hang out and listen to him. He's a monster entrepreneur and he has a really cool story that I can relate to a lot of things with about on uh, on that. We know some of the same people and some of the same stuff in that way. So guys, have an awesome week. I hope that you are coming up with something productive for yourself, getting some awesome shit done. And I will keep you posted along my journey here with this property stuff. And I will keep trying to learn, engage, and hang with you guys as this killer community and talk about creative entrepreneurs living full-time instead of working, doing what you don't want to do. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Peace.